0: Christianity is often presented as like this happy, pappy life, where if you're you're doing it right, you'll be happy and you know it, right? Say amen. So when we face real pain of real life, we often feel like we need to hide it so people don't think we're doing it wrong. Or we think we have to hide it because maybe we feel like we, we don't have enough faith because we're suffering and we must have sinned if we're suffering and experiencing pain. God must be mad at us or at least ignoring us. And what we're doing there, we're dealing with really the two fundamental questions of humanity. Why do we suffer? And where is God when we're suffering? Now the answer to those questions is one of the most amazing aspects of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about it together. We try to reject and avoid pain and suffering at all costs. But in reality, if you think about it, we, we all suffer in large and small ways every day. In fact, as the great philosopher Carrie Elwes says, life is pain.
1: Life is pain, Highness.
0: Anyone who says differently
1: is selling something.
0: Whether it's physical death or just the death of a relationship or a dream, whether it's physical pain and sickness and weakness, or maybe just the pain of of loneliness and anger and rejection we all suffer and in those moments we ask where is God and if we can even pray at all we ask God why is this happening where are you what are you doing with this it can really seem hopeless but in the kingdom of God there is a way forward and we don't have to try to avoid pain or ignore it or, or downplay it or just get over our pain and suffering or even feel guilty that we don't have enough faith to get past it. We don't have to pretend that we're happy or just slap a quick Bible verse or answer on our pain. See, if someone is a Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit allows them to joyfully, confidently, and peacefully live real life while experiencing real pain. And it's a truth that seems so counterintuitive, but really, it's one of the most amazing parts about the Holy Spirit. Suffering allows us to fully experience God's presence. And in his theological masterpiece, the Apostle Paul explains this whole idea. We call it the Book of Romans. It was a letter to a group of Jesus followers in the Roman capital of the city of Rome, around 56 AD. This was an ethnically diverse group uh, of Jews and Gentiles. The Jews had been kicked out of Rome by the emperor. they have been brought back in. And so there's all this tension and, and diversity. And, and what Paul's really, one of his main themes in this is unity. How can these two groups be unified as the people of God? And so in this theme, in this, in this book, one of the themes is exploring the suffering as a Jesus follower. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. It's really just a review of a lot of the things we've said in this series, in the past episodes. I mean, this this sounds like an amazing life, right? We are heirs of God's glory. We are princesses and, and princes of the high king. And so we should experience a life like that, right? Where We should have, you know, success and, and maybe wealth and, and a life of ease and maybe a pain-free existence, at least better than people who don't have this Holy Spirit in them, right? Like if we are really God's children and we're obeying him and we have enough faith, then we shouldn't have to suffer, right? And Paul, if we said that to him, he'd say, what are you talking about? That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Pain is real. In fact, it's necessary. He says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Ugh. that is one of my least favorite sentences in the biblical writings. But it's a fact. See, the fact is, Jesus lived a real life with real pain and suffering. And not just on the cross, no, he was a human who fully lived the full human experience. He experienced loss. We don't see his dad, Joseph, anywhere in after, after his birth. So he probably experienced the loss of a father. He experienced loneliness. He had sickness. He definitely experienced rejects, rejection. He saw injustice by living under the Roman occupation of his land. He experienced poverty and hunger. He was definitely misunderstood over and over and over. So why? would his followers be any different? Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. See, he's not saying, yeah, pain is real, she'll just ignore it and try to get out of it. No, he's saying pain is real. We need to accept it and face it, but it needs to be put into the perspective of the bigger picture at work, in the world and in the lives of Jesus followers. See, suffering needs to be seen through the full story of God. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about uh, Jesus followers already not yet existence. See, yes, as he said earlier, Jesus followers are fully adopted beloved children of God, but they are not yet experiencing the future glory He has promised. We are still living in, in the world that suffers, in a world that suffers. Why? Well, see what Paul's doing here? this whole passage, he's alluding to the entire story of humanity's relationship with God. See, God created the world. He created it good. He created it perfect for his ultimate creation, humanity. And humanity was created to enjoy a perfect relationship with God, to join in the dance of triune God that that triune God has enjoyed for all of eternity. And he put this good world that he created under the management of humans. But humans broke that dance. They chose not to trust the goodness and the love of God. They chose to decide what was good for themselves. And as a result, they broke the entire world. The universe was broken. The universe is subject to and under the curse of decay. But there is a future hope of restoration. See, to kind of sum it up, everything was created good, and it is now in suffering. But in the promised future, it will experience the glory of God, the restoration, and all of creation will be remade as it was. So, Jesus' followers are still in the time of suffering, but we have been promised a secure hope of this future glory. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. See, creation is waiting. It's kind of this cool personification of the universe. Creation is waiting, and it's, it's under bondage. See, through no fault of its own, it has suffered the consequences of humanity's rebellion. But, Paul says, there is a future hope. Jesus took the consequences of our rebellion with him to the cross, and he killed the power of sin and death and his resurrection opened a new chapter in human history, a chapter we can just now see the first few lines of. Jesus' resurrection is a preview of the future of creation, where everything and everyone will be made new in and through him and for him. But right now, both creation and Jesus followers and humans suffer. But creation and Jesus followers have this sense of incompleteness, of of frustration that we are not yet where we want to be. So why do we suffer? It's not because God has left us. It's not because of our lack of faith or our sinfulness. We suffer because we are still in this broken world. We have one foot in suffering and still one foot in glory. We suffer because we are not yet. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. It's a really powerful metaphor, childbirth, right? And I've, I've never given birth. I know someone who has. I've been there. It's one of the most painful, from what I hear, one of the most painful and intense experiences. And you don't even, when you're giving birth, you don't even know sometimes what to say or think, except like, just get it out, get it over with. But in the middle of that, there is still a hope of what will be. And ideally, sadly, not always, but ideally, at the end of this birthing process, there is birth that there's new life has been given birth to. And what Paul is saying is that God is birthing a new creation, a new life out of the pain and the labor of this one. It is painful. Sometimes it's intensely and overwhelmingly painful, but there is hope. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. See, even though we, Jesus followers, have the Holy Spirit, and we have hope for the promised future, Jesus followers are broken. We too are groaning. We are already and not yet. We are the first fruits. We are like the first popcorn kernels popping. The Holy Spirit has invaded our world of suffering, and he dwells in the hearts and minds of these suffering first fruits. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently Part of being a Jesus follower is learning to live in hope. We're groaning. And so we we don't ignore tragedy. We don't ignore suffering. But we are also holding on to the hope that this isn't the ultimate end of the story. See, when, when somebody's giving birth, this hurts, right? They say, that this hurts, but the future is coming, and that pain is worth it. Living with the Holy Spirit is living in hope. Think about it. Everyone suffers. Nobody disagrees that humanity is subject to suffering. It's part of being a human. Everyone suffers, but not everyone can have hope in their suffering. And while we live in this hope, we must wait patiently and confidently. How? How do we do that? Like in these intensely painful and overwhelming moments, how do we actually do any of this? Like, is this just like some kind of, you know, you know, Trust Jesus and it'll be okay. I mean, this is real pain. Like, How do we wait? How do we hope? What do we do? I mean, sure we pray, but have you ever been in those moments where the pain is just so intense? You don't know what to pray. You're not even sure you want to pray. This moment, when you're in that seat, is a crucial moment where we can see and feel and hear and experience the actual personal presence of God, the Holy Spirit, living in and with us. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. says he helps us in our weakness. Our weakness is our life in the not yet. The Holy Spirit helps us by joining with us, by bearing our burden along with us. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just like next to us and or carrying us, right? There's only one set of footprints. No, he's not just next to us. He is in our suffering with us. He's literally in it with us. And when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to think in those just overwhelmingly painful moments, he does. The Holy Spirit does it for us with his own groans that can't be expressed in words. See, these groans are the Spirit's own work on our behalf that takes place in our hearts. And we we aren't even aware of it happening. And this is huge. See, the moment we start feeling that God is the furthest away, Paul is inviting us to realize this is the exact moment God is most with us, carrying us, caring for us. He is right there in us, with us, groaning, interceding, praying on our behalf. See, in our groaning, in that gut-wrenching angst, that is the Holy Spirit. See, we want this situation, this problem, this, this thing we see on the news fixed. We want to help. We want to be able to pray the right thing. But we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do. But the Spirit knows and He works with that desire in our hearts. He takes our anguish, our longing, and our groaning, and somehow turns it into an effective prayer to the Father. Sometimes, we see the power of the Holy Spirit through His healing. Most of the time, we see the power of the Holy Spirit in His comfort in the middle of pain. The Spirit is turning our deepest groanings into prayer, and it's effective because God knows His own mind and the Spirit knows ours. See, what we're doing, I know that sounds confusing. What we're doing, we're treading into the beautiful waters of the Trinity. Jesus, God the Son, has given his followers his spirit, the personal presence of God, the ruach of creation, to seal and mark us as his own. He knows our hearts and he intercedes on our behalf to the Father who knows the hearts of his people because he is dwelling there. C.S. Lewis awesomely described it this way. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to pray his prayers. He is trying to get into touch with God. But if he is a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside him. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God. That Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what is happening. God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal he is trying to reach, God is also the thing inside him which is pushing him on, the motive power. God is also the road or the bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. So that the threefold life of the three personal being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom where an ordinary man is saying his prayers. So when we feel that groan, that where is God in this? That is actually the Holy Spirit agitating us, moving us toward the kind of prayer that will bring God into it somehow. Think about it. Jesus is using Jesus followers to pray for the world through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit converts our pain into prayer. And the more we look forward to His this promise of our final future, and the more we immerse ourselves in the thinking of the not yet the more the current state of things that we see around us will bother us and will pain our hearts. And the more it will draw us to this kind of prayer. We will hunger, as Jesus said, we will hunger and thirst for righteousness. And as we hunger and thirst, we will groan and we can trust that our future is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. See, this is what gives us the hope, the peace, the courage in the here and now, as we wait for the not yet. We know he works all things together for good. We know he is making us like Jesus. And when we don't have the answers to why, we know he is still with us because he chose us and he gave us a perfect relationship with him and he has and will give us his glory. And as the rest of the chapter explains, Paul explains in the rest of the chapter, nothing can separate us from God's love, not even ourselves and not even our pain. So what do we do with all this? Well, we can either fight and ignore pain or we can face it and use it. The Holy Spirit invites us to use it, to both experience his presence in our lives daily and to be part of his work in the hearts and lives of the rest of humanity. As theologian F.F. Bruce said, prayer is the ultimate expression of our lives between the times and the already not yet times. See, it shows us we're looking forward to our future, that we trust God, that we have hope in Jesus, and that we know God hears, sees, and lives in us but that we are not yet there. In our weakness, we know we need him to work in the world. So the goal this week, this episode, is to allow the Holy Spirit to give your suffering meaning and purpose. The Apostle Paul knew a lot about suffering. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, he writes about his suffering and some type of suffering that he asked God to take away from him. And he wrote, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So as we allow the Holy Spirit to give our suffering meaning and purpose, let's read what Paul said. Let's maybe let that sink in that in our weakness, he is strong. It's through our weakness that the Holy Spirit can now work through the world. And so as we read that, Take time to sit and pray. Maybe you don't know what to pray. Maybe you don't have the right words. It doesn't matter. Maybe you don't know exactly even what you're praying for. The Holy Spirit does. So what pain are you experiencing? What suffering have you seen in the world that is breaking your heart? Don't ignore it. Let the Holy Spirit use it. Don't ignore the the bad news articles. Don't stuff down your emotions, face them because you are not alone. If you are a Jesus follower, Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit. Allow him to change the world, to change your pain through your groans and your prayers. We don't have to fight. We don't have to live in fear of, we don't have to run from, we don't have to ignore the pain and suffering of life. We might not always know the why of suffering, and we will rarely get an immediate fix to our problems. But we can know our suffering isn't unseen. It isn't wasted. See, our suffering is turned into something that points us to our ultimate, beautiful, imminent recreation. The Holy Spirit redeems all of our suffering. He comforts us in it. He uses it to bring God's kingdom to earth now. The Holy Spirit transforms our suffering into purposeful hope.
1: watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are still in the middle of our Holy Spirit series. There is lots of uh, YouTube videos and podcasts available for you if you missed any of the other messages in this series. You can also hear these in person at 4 30 on Sundays at 525 ottawa drive where we meet in salem oregon we have youth connect that uh, meets on at the same location on the first and third sundays after our in-person gathering they meet at 6 p.m to 7 30 and there's always dinner provided for them we have in-person connect groups that happen during the week throughout salem and if you're interested in joining one of those you can email us at info at don't forget uh we are a non-profit 501c3 organization and the only way we survive is off your monthly gifts. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to give, you can look at the link on the screen or it's yourcrosscreek.com donate. Thanks so much. Have a great week and we'll see you in person on Sunday.